Meister Shani, Perg Base, Mishnah Aleph, 2 1. Meister Shani, Nitin la Achila, Vilishtia, Ulasicha. The proper use of consumption for Meister Shani in Yerushalayim is for eating it, for drinking it, and Sicha is anointing it. That's applying oil to one's skin. Vilechol davar shadarko lechol. One is. This has two separate explanations, not a machlokas, two different implications. It's The meaning of the words are, one is to eat that which it's accust- normal to eat. Which means, first of all, if one has Meister Shani foodstuffs, or he purchased Meister Shani f- foodstuffs with Meister Shani money, if the food spoils to the point that people no longer eat such food, like the bread got moldy, etc., so then one is no longer required to eat that bread. He can dispose of it. Um, a second important point here is that when one eats his Maestrichini food, he has to eat it in a way that's the normal way of consuming this food. So uh, you can't decide that you want to make a watermelon smoothie and drink your watermelon as a blended watermelon because normal people don't eat watermelon blended. Assuming that's true, so then one would not be allowed to blend his Maestrichini watermelon. Lesuch davash darko lesuch. The Mishnah continues and says that one uh, may use anoint himself with that which is normal to anoint oneself with. So therefore, the mission, that will, of course, be oil. And therefore, the mission says, Lo yasuch yain A person may not use wine or vinegar to anoint himself, because one does not normally do that. That would be a waste of the wine or the vinegar, and that's disallowed. One may not waste Meister Shani. Things with Kedusha's Meister Shani. What one may do is apply um, oil to his skin, and that is permitted. Now, if you recall, we said in the last parak, the rules regarding consumption of Meister Shani were governed by that um, klal pratu klal. The Mishnah said you can um, use the money to purchase whatever you want, but you may not use... Uh, but but it's, then it said specifically um, cows, sheep, goats, wine, and, and uh, alcohol. So there's no mention there of... That's food and drink. So there's no mention there of anointing. However, there's a separate Pasuk in Tehillim, which says, which means, um, and it came into his innards like water and like oil into his bones, from which it's understood that when one applies oil to the skin, it gets absorbed into the body, goes within him, in the same way the oil goes into him. So it's the same way that um, water goes into him. So therefore, Sicha Kashtiya. Applying oil is tantamount to drinking it. And that being the case, one is permitted also to apply oil to his skin. Now, new paragraph, if you will. One cannot spice Meister Shani oil. What this means here, pitum, is to infuse um, with some kind of fragrance. So the idea is that you take some sort of like fragrant leaves or grasses, roots, etc., and you put it into oil. And what happens then is the oil becomes a fragrant oil. Uh, which is great in terms of anointing, like as a perfume. However, the problem is, according to Bartanura, when you pull the bits and pieces of the source of the fragrance out, those leaves or berries, whatever it is, <coughs> excuse me, out of the oil, so then some of the oil will go to waste because it's the oil that was absorbed into um, the vegetable matter that you applied into the oil. So that's disallowed, says the Bartanura. Um, the Bartner gives a different explanation, a second explanation in Trumos, based on the Rambam, Perish Mishnayis over here, that the issue is that one is happy to eat oil, but not once it's been had 
roots and berries applied to it and soaking in it, and therefore there's less likely to have normal food consumption of oil, and that's why it's disallowed, says the Rambam, and the second explanation of the Bartanur in Trumos. A new din, a, a, an important din, um, which is that one may not use his Meister Shani money to buy foodstuffs, which is the kind of foods that um, n- many people, regular people, do not ever purchase. So the Bartanur's Lashon is that this is the kind of food that's only for Mufunakim, spoiled people, Umunagim, people who are... Uh, mufunak means like very particular people, and Munag is people who are spoiled. So the idea here is that this very expensive um, Shem Mufutam is not the kind of thing that regular run-of-the-mill people ever buy. It's not not, not their sort of thing. It's only for, for rich, spoiled people. And that being the case, the Mishnah says things that are not considered food for the everyman um, is disallowed. So that would mean, presumably, it's no problem buying um, single malt whiskey because everyone drinks that if they can afford it, if they had access to it, no one objects to it, and so on. Um, so I think that regular, you know, some nice 12-year single malt would not be a problem. Um, but something like caviar, let's say, which... Um, many people just would never, ever eat because it's just not the kind of food they would ever buy and, and, and waste their money on, is disallowed altogether. So this is Sheb Mufutam, the kind of food that, that uh, no one, the kind of stuff that no one would ever buy. A Re- regular person, only rich people would buy it. One may, however, um, add spices to his wine. Now that means you're adding, let's say, pepper and honey to wine. That is, yes, permissible. And the reason why that's permissible as opposed to one one may not add um, let's say whatever it is, pepper to his to his oil is that when it comes to oil, you re- you will remove the spices you put in. Um, there's there to add fragrance, but they're removed, and therefore something goes to waste. But when it comes to wine, um, the ingredients you put into the wine and to make this drink called Yenomlin would actually be drunk, like kind of like sangria or something. It's drunk with the wine, and that being the case, nothing goes to waste, and therefore it's permissible to add your maestrini food stuffs to wine or to maestrini wine. Okay, now. New, more than new paragraph. This is like a new topic. Okay, the mission now is going to shift over to consider how we do calculations in terms of the amount of money one needs to lay out to redeem a maestrini food if it's made of two components. And one of the components is maestrini, and the second component doesn't have kedushas maestrini. Because remember, what you have to do is you have to put the value of the food stuff onto a coin, maybe even adding a, a chomash to that. But putting the chomash aside, you need to first ascertain the value of this food stuff. So it's tricky what happens if you have two components, um, one which is and one which isn't Meister um, Shani. And you can't simply just prorate it necessarily um, and say, listen, it's, you know, but the reason why is because sometimes the value of the food stuff when it's a combination is more than the sum of its parts. So that means, for example, here are the Mishnah cases, if one had wine, let's say the wine was worth $10, and into that, and, and the wine was Meister Shani wine, and into that Meister Shani wine falls some honey and other spices. Let's say that honey and spices, the raw ingredients, are worth five dollars. So you have a total of fifteen dollars of of uh, ingredients into this thing. But let's say vehishbichu. Let's say, for argument's sake, that the drink now that's now been spiced up um, has a going sale price for argument's sake of let's say thirty dollars. So fifteen dollars of ingredients, but now the raw materials. But now the product sells for thirty. So that means um, you have. 10 of Meister Shani, 5 of non Meister Shani, and 15 of, of uh, you know, some being greater than the whole, than the, the whole being greater than the sum of the parts. So 
how does one now, how much money must one lay out to redeem that now $30 bottle of wine? So the answer is, hashevach lefi cheshbon. You prorate it, the increase, meaning the increased value here is another 15. There's 15 raw ingredients and 15 of added shvach, improvement, for a total of 30. So that 15 you prorate, meaning since two-thirds of the ingredients were Meister Shani. It was 10 Meister Shani and 5 not Meister Shani, so two-thirds of Meister Shani. So then the Shavach, the 15 also is allocated two-thirds to Meister Shani and one-third um, not Meister Shani. So in this case I gave you now, for example, you would have to put down a total of $20 uh, to redeem that $30 bottle of wine because we're saying the value is the $10 of original ingredients plus another $10 of Shavach of improvement. Similarly, Dagim Shnizbashlu Im Hakaflotos. If you have a fish Let's say, for argument's sake, it's the same idea. The fish is worth 10, and uh, the, you have some leeks that you cook the fish in. The leeks are worth 5. Again, for argument's sake, let's say now that the, the leeks were Meister Shani, they're Shal Meister Shani, but the fish wasn't. So the fish is worth 10, the Meister Shani is worth 5. But the cooked dish is worth more than the sum of the parts. Um, the parts are just $15 of ingredients, for argument's sake, but the fish now would sell for 30 so again, a shevach lefi cheshbon, one ascribes the improvement um, in a prorated way. So in our case here, now one-third of the ingredients were Meister Shani, just the leeks. Two-thirds of fish weren't Meister Shani. So again, if there's another 15 of improvement, one-third or five will be ascribed to Meister Shani. So then when you have this $30 dish of fish cooked, in, cooked with uh, leeks, you will have to lay down $10 total to redeem that onto money. Again, ignoring any, ignoring any chomish. Last case is Isa... If you have dough, shall master shani. So all the ingredients of the dough, the flour in here is master shani flour. Sha'afa, that you baked, vishbihu, and now the finished product, meaning the bread, is worth more than the raw dough. For argument's sake, the raw dough is worth five, and now the bread, after you've cooked it, is worth ten. So the question is, how much does one have to lay out to redeem the value of this loaf of bread? And the, I mean, the thought in the Mishra's question is, that since one of the ingredients to make the shvach happen didn't come from nowhere, what you have to do is you have to take wood and burn it. So that wood, the energy stored in the wood, is being converted into heat, which is used to bake the bread. So does one consider the value of the wood as an ingredient in the baking of the bread? And the Mishnah says, no, it is not. Hashavach l'sheni, we ascribe all of the improvements um, just to the Meister Shani component, meaning if one wants to redeem this $10 bread, even though there's just $5 of raw materials of Meister Shani wheat, one has to lay out $10 to redeem uh, the bread. And the reason why is because the wood component is not nikar. There, it's not evident. There's no evidence of the presence of the wood in the bread. All you see is, you know, risen flour and water, etc. Um, so there's no, since it's not nikar, there's nothing um, physically evident that was added to it, unlike the case of, let's say, the fish with the leeks, where you see fish in the mix, or in the case of the wine with the honey, again, you see the honey, you taste the honey, or the peppers floating around, peppercorns floating around, whatever the story is. Um, since those are nikar, you will prorate. But in the case of um, the bread, since there's no physical evidence of the wood ingredient, it doesn't get any, it, none of the value increase is ascribed to the wood, and therefore, one has to pay the full market value of the finished product. Zahakal, this is the Overriding principle, kol sheshvach nikar, any time that the source of the improvement is nikar, it's evident, physically evident, then a shvach lefi cheshbon. If there are two components and both are evident, then one ascribes the improvement in a prorated way.
If there's no evidence of one of the two components that added to the value of the Meister Sheni, so then, you ascribe it all to the Meister Sheni and you ignore the Enonikar, the non-evident, for example, the wood, which is a source of heat, um, when one does his calculations for how much to redeem this finished product. Just to add one more thing, the Tveris Israel notes that this idea of Enonikar not being evident is a little... Um, subtle and maybe ambiguous, and therefore he adds that what the mission means to say in terms of Nikar is that something as Nikar is evident when it increases the weight or the volume of the subsequent mixture. And therefore, in the case, for example, of wood burning, the finished product isn't any heavier or larger because the wood was added to it, and therefore that's considered Nikar.